Welcome back to an episode of Gene Sports. I'm with my main guy, Rohan Chakavarti. 49ers are in the Super Bowl. Everyone knows that. They may be underdogs. They have a lot of things not going their way during Super Bowl week. We just saw media media day go certain way for the 49ers. Specific coaches may have had a great time. You guys are going to understand why the 49ers are having adversity and why they will beat the Kansas City Chiefs right after this. Welcome back to Clutch Gene Sports. I'm your host, Marco Martinez, with my guy, Rohan Chakravarti. How's it going, Rohan? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. So before we get started today, I do want to announce, if you guys aren't subscribed already, make sure you guys subscribe to both channels, Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel, Clutch Gene Sports. I also want to say, if you guys would like, please tune in to ESPN Honolulu Radio on Friday morning, 9.15 Pacific Standard Time. I will be on ESPN Radio to talk 49ers versus Chiefs Super Bowl. So make sure you guys tap in on ESPN Radio, 9.15 Friday morning, uh, Pacific Standard Time, ESPN, Honolulu. How's it going, Ron? How you been, man? Doing good, man. Doing good. I mean, 49ers obviously in the Super Bowl means it's going to be a busy week all around, talking, breaking down different, different angles of this, you know, of this matchup, seeing the different ways you one team can win, one team might have weaknesses, different things like that. So it's been a busy week, but anytime we're talking about football, it's fun, man. That's that's just the way I look at it, and that's the way it is. So just just so we're clear, I want everyone to know why both of our channels have 49ers as underdogs. I know Rohan's title is a little bit different than mine. But we do have the 49ers and underdogs. And why I say the 49ers are underdogs is because media-wise, right? I don't care what Vegas has to say about point spread or what. When the point spreads 1.5 to 2 points, that's telling me that they think this is a toss-up. They don't know how to decide it, so they don't know what to put the point spread on. They'd rather put the the point spread on the team who's going to be placed. So if they're if you're look at it, right? 49, this is how I view it at least. 49ers have a fan base that is in Silicon Valley who has billionaires who are going to be placing bets, right? So the way I see it is Vegas didn't want the money line to be favored in the Niners direction where a lot of fans are betting on the Niners. And if they lose, the Vegas loses a big amount of money, right? So that's how I saw the Niners being favored. It's a toss up in terms of rosters and stuff like that. But the media has the Niners as super underdogs. Like you go to you go to any media platform and you see the 49ers being talked about like they're not a good team. Like they're or their quarterbacks the issue. XY, like to me, it's kind of blown my mind, Rohan. What have you thought about the media talking about the 49ers in terms of being this sort of underdog that's giving them this title right now? Yeah, I think, I mean, first of all, you brought up Vegas. I mean, even the, like, even just the general public, it seems to be heavily running the Chiefs. I believe 75, 80% of the money right now is on the Chiefs, on the Chiefs to win this game. And so, you know, you can think of it that way. But overall, it's an intriguing way. It's an intriguing thing, right? Because 
you're right. The Niners are favorites. They're favorites because they're perceived to have the better roster. And yet this is still a kind of a, you know, a, a different kind of outlook because not only does a majority of the world, you know, perceive the Chiefs to be winners, but the Chiefs themselves, because they're viewed as underdogs, are looking to play the underdog, the, the villainous type of role. And so it's definitely intriguing how the, the matchup is portrayed. Personally, don't really care overall. I mean, I think these are two good teams if, uh, and they have two different ways that they can, or multiple different ways that each team can win. Curious to see how the game script ultimately ends up going. So for me, I think it's interesting because throughout the process, like just seeing some guys on social media, well, NFL Network, ESPN Radio, um, Fox, CBS, like they're talking about the Niners. I'm just like, all right, you're you're at the point where keep doing it. You're giving the Niners bulletin material. Like some of the guys have have mentioned guys like Brock Purdy as not good quarterbacks and being carried when re- reality is, is you can't say that after the quarterback just led you back down 17 of the NFC championship. You can't do that. Right. Like, so for me, yeah. I'm looking, I'm and looking I, at, I'll go ahead. No, I didn't want to interrupt, but I, I, I just wanted to point out a specific example for you. I saw clips of two different talk shows. Um, one was Colin Cowards on, I, I don't know, FS1, uh, Fox, wherever he has his, I think he brought up the idea that if Brock Purdy doesn't play well in the Super Bowl, there's an opportunity for Sam Donald to compete in training camp with Purdy for the number one spot. Don't know about that. I, I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, Sam Donald's not even on contract. I don't think he's here next year. I think he probably takes a different opportunity, understanding he won't get to start here. And then the second one that I heard, I believe it was Nick Wright. Uh, I think uh, him talking about um, Purdy, he's essentially relating Purdy to Garoppolo in the sense that, sure, he led the comebacks, but he was kind of blaming Purdy um, for putting them in the spot in the first place. And so I want that's where I wanted to lead you and continue to hear your thoughts is, how do you perceive the argument where, yes, you let him back, but you put him there in the first place? Kind of what's your take on those type of arguments, um, especially because we heard him a lot when Jimmy Garoppolo's quarterback. So there's two different things, right? Because like Jimmy Garoppolo put the 49ers in situations because of his complete play. And it was a, a weekly occurrence, right? It wasn't just like he was doing it once and then he would lead us back to a victory. And then the next week, he just all of a sudden wasn't like didn't throw an interception, right? Like we didn't see that from Jimmy with Brock. You can't really say, hey, you know what? He started the fire. The arson is putting out the fire, right? That's not how it is with, with Brock because reality is that that first half of the NFC championship game, did he play terrible? Mm, I wouldn't say terrible. Did he play bad? It was, it wasn't up to his standards. That's for sure. Through an interception. Um, they missed, uh, I believe they missed a field goal. Um, so for, if you look at the, the, the drives, right, they were moving. The interception doesn't help. But reality is when you have three drives in the first half, your, your offense isn't getting much rhythm. Like after a turnover, there's no rhythm. So I don't really see it as Brock Purdy putting us in a situation and getting us out of the situation he put us in. I do think the comments are ridiculous, though, in terms of having Sam Donald compete if the 49ers don't win and he plays um, terrible and stuff like that. I do see, I did see the argument in terms of he hasn't played great every game and there's only played great football for about i think the number he said was like 25 percent of the quarters or something like that or he used 
the 22% of his dropbacks, 23% of his dropbacks are actually negative plays and stuff like that, and which would be the worst in the NFL um, in the regular season. He has good. He has a good. He has a good argument in terms of the percentages and stuff like that. I'm not gonna lie there. It's it's gonna be a conversation in the media if it happens, and the reason why it's gonna be a conversation, Rohan, is because it fits their narrative, right? I'm not the biggest Brock Purdy fan, and you everyone's known this. I'm not 100 sold on Brock now. I think Brock is a hell of a quarterback. I think he's capable of, of leading the Niners to Super Bowl and winning it. Um, that's that's obviously been proven. He's been doing that. He's proven me wrong. Um, but if he loses the Super Bowl, I don't think it's going to be a competition with Sam Darnold. Like, unless he throws four interceptions, five interceptions, and he's the complete reason, like, you could point the finger and say, you know what? Brock Purdy was terrible this game. Then that's the only way I think Kyle Shanahan gets cold feet with Brock Purdy. I mean, we've seen Kyle get cold feet with a lot of quarterbacks, right? We've seen him get cold feet with Jimmy Garoppolo. We've seen him get cold feet with Trey Lance in terms of what I mean by cold feet and more so the sense of he's quick to turn to the next guy. Like, he's not afraid to do that. And I think that's kind of where it would become concerning um, is if he does throw, like, the three to four interceptions in, in this Super Bowl, uh, which I don't see happening. Um, but if he does do that, he plays, like, absolute dog shit, then the conversation should be had and will be had because it's the biggest stage in the NFL. You don't just want to get your team to the Super Bowl, right? You want to win the Super Bowl. And if you lay a stinker in the biggest game of the, uh, the biggest game of your life, biggest game of the Niners season, there should be conversations had. Now, I don't think they're, they're warranted, but there should be, there should be conversations. Do we have the right guy to win a Super Bowl with, or do we have another guy who could get us there, but can't win it when we get there? So I think that it's a, conversation that will be had but i don't think it should 100 be had by kyle shanahan and john lynch i i think that that's an intriguing take the the way that you kind of say it in that it should be a conversation to be had ultimately though like i said i don't think it matters i i think i mean we've heard a lot of different storylines this week headlined by the the practice field thing which we'll get in a, uh, to in a minute but i think ultimately it's you know it's just another opportunity to go play ball the niners have played ball you know all season long they've played at a high level and even when they haven't they found ways to win number one thing when it comes to playoff football you got to find a way to win and i think that that's something san francisco's got to do now um before i get to the ways that i believe they need to do or what they need to do in order to win Let's talk about the practice field thing because 49ers, you know, there's been a whole uh, debacle. Before we get there, because I know we're talking to Brock Purdy, so I want to ask you this question. What were your thoughts on Kyle and the the comments that from The Athletic about Kyle Shanahan saying in 2020 he thought he could win the Super Bowl with Nick Mullins? Because this is where I think that conversation is had, right? Like going back to the last conversation we just had before we get to the practice field. Kyle Shanahan in in The Athletic essentially says, he thought he could win a Super Bowl with with Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, we all know, a lot of fans, I should say, thought he was the, the next quarterback, right? After he put up those passing yards and he looked solid, people thought he was a true quarterback one. Now, Kyle thought he could win a Super Bowl with him because he was able to do that, get there with Jimmy Garoppolo. He kind of ran the offense a little bit better in terms of what Kyle wanted. What are your thoughts on that? Because if Kyle thinks he could win a Super Bowl with Nick Mullins, how would he feel if 
Brock Purdy is the reason they lose the Super Bowl. Like that's what I mean by like the camp the conversation would be there's a conversation there because we've seen Kyle go off from from Brock right early, really fast. We've seen him think Nick Mullins could win the Super Bowl with him. We've seen him go from Trey Lance, the th- number three overall pick, to the last pick in a snap of a finger, uh, saying that he was the best quarterback on the roster, which I don't I think that was more so Kyle just being frustrated at the time. I don't think it was true and what he said. But what are your thoughts there? Because if he says Nick Mullins was a Super Bowl quarterback, will he turn fast? I personally don't think this has anything to do with Brock Purdy. I think it really just stemmed from, I'll say it, how much Kyle Shanahan did not like Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. Maybe they had a personal relationship or whatnot, but Kyle Shanahan was that out on Garoppolo after that 2020 season when Garoppolo, I believe, was out for 10 games that what he saw with Mullins in 10 games, I think it was two things. One, you know, his lack of faith in Garoppolo, not only as a quarterback, but to stay healthy. And two, his his, his confidence in himself that, you know, his, what if he could, you know, develop a quarterback, they could be capable of going to the Super Bowl with a team that he is able to, you know, manufacture. Now, I don't think that Garoppolo's situation is at all what Purdy's situation is because, one, Purdy's been durable. Um, you know, especially this year, he's been durable, and he's also shown that he can develop. He's evolved a lot from year one to year two. I think that there are different factors, you know, where it goes into Brock Purdy probably, you know. I mean, regardless of what happens this game, you expect him to probably to even take a step forward next year. Um, how many steps forward, I don't know, but, you know, you expect him to even take a step forward next year. But I think the Nick Mullins conversation is more so a byproduct of, you know, a lack of faith in Garoppolo, which we know that relationship soured a lot at the end of the, at the, at the end of its tenure and also places questions as to, uh, this is an off season topic, but again, this is the biggest gripe I've had with Kyle Shanahan. I've been pretty vocal about it. Also places his question into how he handled this quarterback situation over the last few years, you know? I mean, if he was that out on Garoppolo, why go into it in 2021? But again, like I said, that's an off-season type of topic. But to me, I don't think this is a reflection on Purdy. I think it's more so a reflection on the situation at that time. And also, Kyle's confidence in himself, which personally, I believe, has increased with an aggressive quarterback like Brock Purdy. I think the last part you just said is what, what I took from this whole thing is more so, one... Kyle wasn't sold on Jimmy from the beginning. He, he had to get convinced to to get Jimmy right. And then when he does get Jimmy, doesn't really care for him. And then he's his confidence in himself to win with Nick Mullins. I think that's what the article. It's just weird why that article came out and all this shit comes out Super Bowl week. Like, why can't you just wait another? Like, why couldn't you have done this midseason? Like, you've probably had this freaking conversation already midseason. Like, why do you do it Super Bowl week? knowing it's going to get this kind of conversation wherever like to me the timing of it was perfect to create a conversation obviously to get clicks and and stuff like that great great article um now the 40 you you brought up the 400 had a terrible practice field that's against all odds right the niners that's one of the niners they keep tweeting out against all odds it what do you think about having a shitty practice field in terms of what the 49ers are dealing with right now I think this is unexcusable, inexcusable by the NFL. Like this is this is like something where you, if you were to tell me of the million things that could go wrong this week, I did not have this on my list at all. 
the NFL has a standard to keep up. This isn't an exhibition game. This isn't just like, you know, any other game. This is the goddamn Super Bowl. Something you have planned for over a year. You've had the guidelines. You've had the plan set in place for a long, long time. In fact, the 40, or not the 49ers, but the NFL was supposed to uh, do all the field preparation starting in December when we hear that that stuff is still going on up until last week, you know? The way that it's handled is extremely intriguing and of course when you have the commissioner there he's going to be defensive he's going to say it's acceptable and things like that it doesn't matter if it's acceptable you don't want an acceptable field when it comes to super bowl and super bowl preparation you want a a, a field that's pristine to play on you want a field that's perfect that you, you don't want something that's acceptable you're not supposed to dish out something that's acceptable i hope the nflpa takes you know takes account uh, uh, accountability for this takes some action uh looks to push the nfl on this because again the the one bad part about this is the 49ers don't have a choice here they have to take the high road it's not like you can t- start creating excuse me start creating excuses the week of the super bowl and then if you lose you know people are going to say oh they're making excuses and things like this you don't want to create excuses for yourself the week of the super bowl but this is the one thing that i think is absolutely inexcusable this week i don't know how the nfl let this happen and more importantly you know the way that they're trying to cover it up not at all good luck this to me was and i i this is a kid-friendly show but this is effing wild right Shout out to Alberto Soto. What up, guys? That grass was put on the the top of a turf a week before they get there. And who puts grass on top of turf? One, that's true. They normally put the grass on the field in in December. Effing December. Decided to do it two weeks before the Super Bowl. To me, I think this is absolutely dog shit. Dog shit by the NFL. The NFL telling the NFLPA, it's all right. It's playable. The you mean playable? It's the fucking Super Bowl. It's the goddamn Super Bowl. It's not the preseason game. It's not the freaking the first preseason game of the season, the Hall of Fame game. That's not what it is. It's not the Hall of Fame game. Well, that doesn't mean shit. Really, does not mean shit. To me, I think this is absolutely terrible by the NFL. One. Two, I'm glad NFL PA and the 49ers are giving Roger Goodell crap because he deserves all the crap the nfl's everything they've done leading up to this has been terrible i think in a game like this now you get two things you're gonna have adversity at some point the 49ers are facing that adversity essentially where they can't you can't really practice so there's a couple of people 49er people out there who drove by the stadium or the University of Las Vegas to check out the the practice field. So they he went over there and he essentially said, so KP from Niner Nation, which Rohan, you're familiar with KP, right? Your boss at Niner Nation. So he drove by University of Las Vegas practice field last night and there were puddles around the field. The rain was coming down and the conditions were closer to week one at Chicago type of sloppy where you take a step and water takes over your shoes. That's fucking terrible, bro. Terrible. Week one against Chicago was a monsoon. A monsoon, bro. And they're expecting professional athletes who are going to play in the biggest game of the National Football League 
the National Football League that's promoting all of this and getting everyone to tune in to the biggest game of the year on Super Bowl Sunday, which is this weekend, and you give them the shittiest field they could practice on? I don't know. I mean, like, the Niners, they can't. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Say anything about it right now. Again, like I said, you can't you don't want to sound like you're making excuses, but how like I'm not I'm not too sure about how hardness scores and all that work, but I mean apparently no NFL field has a hardness score of under 70. The nine is in the fifties. You know, it's in the high forties or fifties. And right it now. might be worse though. Be to be honest, though, it might get worse overnight with all the rain that came in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And again, I'm not sure about the full process. Did the Niners want to practice at UNLV? Was that the choice that they were given? Because I believe the Chiefs are practicing indoors, while the Niners are also practicing outdoors. Go ahead. So Chiefs automatically get the home teams practice right. facility. The home team. So the way the NFL Super Bowl works is. The home team automatically gets that practice facility. Um, I don't know if the team, the away team, has to find their own source or where they're going to practice. Normally, the NFL does that. Normally, the NFL sets it up. Um, that's what's that's what's concerning to me. Normally, it's the NFL who sets it up. I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a concern for sure. And so, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. This is this is a weird one. This is not a story you want to hear going into the Super Bowl because. Now you don't really know how the 49ers practice, not schedule necessarily, but how they're going to practice changes. Are you going as hard as you usually are? If so, are you worried about risk of injury? Also, these are nowhere near the conditions they're going to play at, you know, in when when you're actually going to be on the field. So it might alter things practice-wise, all of that, and that's not what you want to hear come Super Bowl weekend. That's what to me. That's what's crazy is it's Super Bowl. I mean, you can't complain. I do love how the Niners players have handled it. I love how Kyle Shanahan handled it. Handled it at Media Day when he was a little tipsy, if he was or not, who cares? Um, but I love how he handled it, saying, "You know what? We're good. Let's go." Uh, Spencer Burford said, "I don't care. It's a field to play on. Let's mm-hmm. go." Like the, the yeah. mentality is, who gives who gives a f? We're ready to play the Super Bowl whether we practice or we don't practice. It just sucks that they're not able to actually fully be able to run routes, be able to, because you're not, you're at that point, you know how bad the grass is. You're not trying to risk injury. You're not trying to get your slip up and slip and pull a hammy and stuff like that. For me, it's concerning. Um, it, it is an, ex- not, it is going to be used by Chiefs family. Oh, you guys just use it as an excuse. 
it's not if you were on the same practice field, you'd be saying the same shit. You like yeah. to me, it's inexcusable. Um, I think the NFL should have did something better in terms of how do you operate, how do you change things, and how do you move things around um, for the 49ers to be able to have an actual practice week. I was actually hoping Jed York said, you know what, F you NFL, I'm bringing my guys back to Santa Clara. They need a practice. That would have been intriguing, right? That would have been intriguing if they brought him back to Santa Clara. I mean, I personally, I don't know if I would have been with that just because the amount of travel, the logistics, everything that you have to kind of deal with. But that would have been a fun one. You know, hey. screw screw you, screw your Super Bowl uh, media week and all of that. We're, we're, we're going to be in Santa Clara. We'll do our own thing. You want a media part. week? Guess what? I got Zoom. You guys did this to yourselves, right? Like, I would have dead ass did that. Like, if you're the owner, you want your team to practice. Hey, you know, if F you, Roger Goodell, I'll be, we'll be in Santa Clara where there's no rain, where potentially what I'm more honestly, Rohan, what I'm more worried about than injuries is someone getting sick. Mm. Does the team come down with a bug because you're yeah. practicing in the rain and the cold versus Kansas City's practicing in a nice dome where it's nice and warm, heaters going? That's where I'm yeah. more worried about. Who gets, does anyone get sick where it, they're they're not able to play one hundred percent because they it came down with a, a cold or something like that. That's where I'm concerned. Now, for everyone who has not tuned in, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button on both channels. We would really appreciate it. Clutch Gene Sports, Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel. Make sure you guys go hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, and make sure you guys comment what you guys think about the field conditions because to be honest, it is inexcusable. Shout out to Curse Black. That it seems like the whole country is against our guys. So I really consider us who they really think are the underdogs. And I hope we catch some sleeping. I agree. So we'll get into that a little bit later as well. But Rohan, I want to. Did you see the article by The Athletic who also talked about Kyle Shanahan as being Big Brother? I think you're talking about the one about surveillance, right? Yes, where Kyle Shanahan has surveillance throughout the entire building and he sees everything and, and he'll chime in with the button and talk yeah yeah i, I saw that one what are your thoughts of kyle shanahan i know it's super Bowl week but it's an interesting conversation right what are your your thoughts on this you know i don't this is a weird one to come out this week but essentially for you guys that didn't read or haven't heard about it, i heard about it so correct me if i'm wrong a little bit essentially shanahan this is a system that dates back to his dad um but the shanahan's have instilled essentially a surveillance system around the facility where back in 2010 um you know back in washington uh, mike shanahan had essentially cameras installed in every single meeting room and installed in every kind of uh every kind of conference and so he would listen in Essentially, the premise is you can't be in multiple places at once. So he would be, you know, in, in a certain area and listen into all of the different conversations going on. And when he heard something or when he wanted to chime in, he'd just go straight into the room, say his part, and, uh, you know, it would go from there. Kyle Shanahan has kind of evolved the system. He obviously went to Atlanta after Washington, went to Cleveland, Atlanta, they didn't use it. He was confused why they didn't use it. He thought it was helpful because the goal for them was that you could go back and you could see things or you could, you know, find different ways to chime in 
and also not waste waste your time. Essentially, you could uh, you don't have to repeat things. Uh, the head coach doesn't have to come in and say what did I miss and all of this kind of thing. And so. I think that was the premise, essentially uh, an effective method of communication while uh, with with people who aren't in the meeting and also a way for you to go back, check things, self-correct and all of that. Now, Shanahan brought the system over to San Francisco, obviously became a little more involved um, after COVID because Shanahan now has, I think, I believe every meeting in Zoom. And um, so essentially he can chime in when he wants to online in every meeting rather than having to come into the room. Now, of course, there are different levels of privacy. Um, I believe that, you know, the, uh, back in Washington, there was like a switch or something where if you wanted to have a personal conversation, you know, the, the, the recordings would stop. And then in San Francisco, obviously you could just mute on zoom. If you want to have a personal conversation with somebody, but it's an intriguing method. I mean, I, I don't know because this is the first I've ever heard of surveillance in an NFL building. Um, the one thing that I will say is the players seem to have bought into it. The players and the coaches seem to have kind of bought into it according to the article. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I actually, I actually, I'm, I really don't know how I feel about it, but I'm going to read a couple, a couple of quotes that I thought were fascinating from Kyle's God, bro. Essentially, like, oh like, yeah, yeah. Um, there was one where, where it was like so, the eye of God or something like that. So he goes, so Brandon, this is a, qu- a quote from quarter, uh, third string quarterback Brandon Allen. He goes, "We always call that screen in our room the voice of God." And then, offense uh, run game coordinator and offensive line coach Chris Forrester said, "His voice just comes in from heaven." So this is essentially what they're talking about is Kyle Shanahan when he when he butts in to talk about something and he. You know, actually, so that one of the other things was during 2021, Nate Sudfield said, we'd be talking about something and he'd unmute and say, actually, you read it this way. And then he would mute again, said quarterback uh, Nate Sudfield. Um, so you got to be careful what you say, essentially, because normally when the coach isn't around in other buildings, you could say things about other coaches and so, or other players that never gets heard. But besides the people that are in the build in that room, what I do like about it is. Kyle's the head coach. He's the leader. You want to know what's being said around your lot, around your facility, what's being going around, um, whether someone's coaching something differently than you're trying to coach it. I think it's very fascinating, Rohan, because not only do you have a bunch of videos, it's easier for the head coach to be tapped in on everything that's going on from one spot rather than him having to run around, right? It, it's how do you manage because the head coach is essentially in charge of every position group, every meeting, offensive meeting, defensive meeting. How does he deviate his time as an offensive mind who, you know what, I know I need to get I knew I need to be in, in the build, in the room with the quarterbacks, but I also need to be in the room with my linebackers and my safeties at the same time. I actually really like this method because it allows the head coach to be part of every conversation and as the head coach, you get all the blame when things go wrong. You get you get all the credit when things go right. So at the end of the day, I like it because he's be, he has full charge, but he also it also gives him the peace of mind on game days to you know what? I never see Kyle. You always see Kyle Shanahan like this, bro. Always like this, tapping on his screen, tapping on his screen, going at things, looking at the play call sheet rather than actually looking and talking to or what's going on with the defense because. He's been so prepared and he was in the meeting room the entire time, even though he wasn't there physically. So it allows Kyle Shanahan to be 
the head coach that he wants to be in terms of having control of everything. Now, it's it's a great thing that he has that, but it's also a bad thing in terms of you don't see many older coaches want to be around the around want to be in the 49ers coaching staff. Is it because of that? You always see a lot of young and upcoming coaches, which I love because it allows you to develop these coaches the way you want your system to be ran on both sides of the ball. So it's a, a I really like it, but it also has its its cons in terms of you won't have a guy like Vic Fangio have you chime in during his meeting room with his defense, right? Like that's 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 to me is things that I've noticed. It's like you won't get these veteran coaches because they're they're not gonna they're not gonna roll with you know what? Um actually it's not how I read that or not how we read that here. You're not gonna have that. Um I I love that players have to watch what they say. I, I love that. Like you're gonna walk around saying Kyle's a freaking dick. Like, oh, that, oh, that's what you think of me. All right, yeah, I'll make sure you're not on my roster. Like, that's important. I think it's very important. I think it's actually kind of cool um, that they have that now. Calls for want... accountability. Absolutely, absolutely, and that that is absolutely the absolute truth. Accountability, right? You, you always hear a lot of times players. There's stories, right? Of players where they're watching film, but reality is is their their pads are checked like they then you know how many hours you're watching film right and then the players say they're watching it but they're not really watching it well it's, you're accountable in every meeting what the hell are you talking about because i'm not there doesn't doesn't mean you get to crack jokes you have to write your jokes on a piece of paper and slide it that's not to me i think you're there for one thing and you're there to work and it's there to play football um now going into the super bowl obviously this was a big conversation because they're at the super bowl the reason why i really like like this is because during Super Bowl week, Kyle should know where everyone is. They should not be out partying. They should not be doing what they're not supposed to be doing, right? Even though Charlie Vegas Ford wants to party. Um, so this is a good thing. This is a good system that he has in place. Now, it's not going to be at the University of Las Vegas or at their team hotel, obviously. But it's a good system that he knows, you know what? Hey, just do the same thing. I know where everyone's at. I know where everyone's saying we're on the same page. Rohan, how do the 49ers attack the Chiefs' defense? Sorry, say that one more time. Cut out at the end. Say that again. So how do the 49ers attack the Chiefs defense, mm. the Chiefs defense, knowing that Kyle's in every meeting room? He's in the quarterback room, running back room, all these meetings. How does he get his offense? Yeah, I think that's a good question, right? Because the, the Chiefs defense is a unique one. It's one that can be as versatile as others, but also be as unique in terms of play calling as others because Steve Spagnolo kind of adjusts his defense to um to how his opponents play. And he's a guy who can dial up zone coverage, can dial up man coverage, can really trust his players, but also be aggressive, dial up blitzes. I think the 49ers, the number one thing for them this week is they gotta they gotta start fast. I, I don't think they win this game if they don't start fast. I think you gotta start fast, and I think that the way you do it, get them out in space. Start running the football early. Uh, utilize Christian McCaffrey. Um, you know you have a great zone scheme. Go inside, go outside. Uh, run a couple of different methods, cutbacks, all of this. We'll see how it, uh, we, we'll see how it goes. But I think you gotta remain balanced, but also kind of remain aggressive. You got to put the essentially the way you got to do it is you got to put the pressure on Kansas City. Right now, the pressure's on San Francisco's offense because of the way Kansas City has played. You got to put the pressure on Kansas City by having some early offensive success. I think you got to start that, uh, do that by being aggressive, but also balanced early on. Absolutely. And there's a couple things that I've noticed with watching 
Steve Spagnola, right? Like his corner pressures, he likes to send corners on blitzes. Like that's something he truly loves to do. Now through the playoffs, the Chiefs have allowed 3.1 yards per play with a 47.2 pressure rate when they send at least one defensive back as part of their pass rush. Now that doesn't necessarily mean what Spagnola is crazy is because that doesn't necessarily mean they're sending more than four. Sometimes he'll send four and the cornerback is one of them. Like you have to figure out who's coming. Um, now Spagnola has the highest rate of cornerback pressure in the NFL. What he, what he does too though, Rohan, what I noticed is on condensed pack on condensed formations, right? He'll send pressure if it's a condensed formation. What a condensed formation is when you have a receiver closer to your line, uh, to your line. So it's, you're bringing everything in closer. Now, the crazy part is, is the 49ers have the fifth, high, uh, fifth highest pressure rate allowed this year to slot blitzes. We don't pick that up that often. Also, the Niners do run a lot of condensed formations. So what does that mean? This means you're going to see Spagnola sending pressure from the DBs. He that's the, that's the exact way you have to look at it. Is okay, fifth fifth highest pressure uh, against DBs against corners and uh, the slot blitz. Trent McDuffie's coming. He's coming. Have something ready for that, right? I think for me, you got to realize that the Jarius needs going to either be on Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk in the entirety of the game. I I lean towards Brandon Ayuk because he's the better route runner and true receiver. But also, they're also talking about Legereus Sneed as a potential linebacker in terms of like he's that physical. So they may have him shadow Debo Samuel and try to have him tackle. But Kyle Shanahan never, if you're going to be shadowing him, Kyle Shanahan's going to win that battle in the terms of for Debo Samuel, right? Because you're going to have Debo going in motion on these jet sweeps, fly, fly motions and stuff like that, getting the ball in the backfield. So how do you actually run with him and getting stuck in traffic as you're trying to take these tackles or try to tackle Debo. So I think I do lean towards the Jerry Sneed being on Brandon Ayuk and him trying to actually be in the action tackling. So for me, I think those are the biggest concerns, not necessarily concerns, but in terms of watching the, the Kansas City Chiefs defense is the pressures from the corners and how do you navigate where the Jerry Sneed is a majority of the game. I think those are good for corners. I think that that matchup is going to be important because, again, you got Snead going up against Ayuk. Obviously, uh, that type of matchup, Ayuk is a man beater. He 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 thrives against man coverage. Great route runner. But Snead has been one of the best corners. I believe he was up there in uh, all pro nominations, or uh, he was you know considered to be one of the top near uh, an all pro this year. Uh, I have Traveris Ward, who's an all pro on our defense, but. Um, you talk about that defense. I think they've got good players all around. You uh, you do lose O'Manahue. You lose a bit of a, your pass rush. They are a little weaker, I think, on the defensive line. Um, but you still have Chris Jones, who does, who's a destructor all over the middle. And then apart from that, I mean, I think th- that team is pretty sound. you got versatile players. you got uh, a McDuffie who can play inside out. He can play in different roles in the slot. He can blitz. you got Justin Reed at safety. And then you got Snead as well uh, in, in the secondary to uh, combat those linebackers. Or, so, yeah, complement those linebackers. You mentioned you mentioned Chris Jones, um, who he had some – I felt like there were passive-aggressive comments about the 49ers offense, right? Stated the 49ers mm-hmm. have the best offense he's ever seen. And like the way he's answering these questions, he's like, yeah, they're the best offense I've ever seen. 
like trying to trying to steer the pot. Like, right, he knew what he was doing. He knew he knew exactly what he was doing. He, Chris Jones said that the 49ers have um, the best offense he's ever seen. He also uh, made a comment how uh, Trent Williams is the best player he's ever gone up against, and how it's going to be. He's going to go home and pray because Chris Jones is a, is, is going to be a hard guy to. Um, he's a little nervous because he's scary and vicious and kind of passive aggressive ass comments, right? So for me, I'm looking at it. I'm like, you're very, you're trying to steer the pot. Do do you think? This Kansas City de- defense, who's really good, um, they don't give up many points. They've only given up uh, twenty, uh, more than twenty-four points, I believe, three times this year um, to teams. Um, they're very, very good in terms of what they do. Do you think this team sees the 49ers' offense as? I don't want to use this word, but do you, as essentially, do you think Kansas City sees the 49ers' offense as frauds? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think they see themselves as frauds, but again, like you said, it's jabbing, uh, jabbing the bear a little bit, painting a little bit of a narrative. Um, but I don't think they seem necessarily as frauds overall. I think that if you look at this Kansas City defense, they know that they have a tough opponent. They think that, I think this is a lot different when they were talking about Jimmy, you know, um, uh, it, back in the day. They were not, you know, they even Trevor Sports said it. You know, you put the ball in Jimmy's hands. That's kind of what they wanted. I don't know if they want uh, that with Brock Purdy. And so to me, I think that they understand the challenge that they have. McCaffrey obviously is good. But I also think that, you know, they're, they're pretending to sell themselves a little short here. And again, it's part of what we talked about in the beginning. It's a bit of their villain arc, you know. They're looking to play the villain. They're looking to play that type of role. I think that's something that um, the Chiefs, they're trying to embrace in this game. And I think Chris Jones is, you know, leading the charge. I think to me what the, the craziest thing about this is you kind of see Chris Jones and these guys like leading kind of like, well, we know how, how great they are, but we're not afraid of them. Like, And to me, I think it's kind of bulletin board material for the 49ers. Now, I know you got to go within the next five, ten minutes or so. So I want to ask you a few questions moving a little bit faster. How do you slow down Patrick Mahomes? I think the number one way is honestly, funny enough, it depends on your offense. To me, if you start fast, you're going to eliminate, not eliminate, but you're going to limit Patrick Mahomes' ability by taking away the, the, the Chiefs' run game. They're going to have to drop back, and I think that's where you can start teeing off on that offensive line, create some, uh, you know, create some pressure on Mahomes. And once he gets pressured, it's not like Mahomes is bad. Mahomes avoids sacks like the best in the NFL. But it's going to be hard for him to hit opponents if he consistently is going to have to go off schedule. The 49ers can account for that. So I honestly think it's starting fast and looking to make them one-sided because if Mahomes is able to, you know, if you keep the game in reach for Mahomes, he, in my opinion, is the best manager in the NFL, game manager in the NFL. He knows how to perfectly manage a game in order to get his team to win. He does whatever he needs to do. I mean, the reason is because a lot of people view this game manager connotation as negative. Every quarterback in the damn NFL, every quarterback in the NFL should strive to be a damn game manager because. I mean, I know we don't attribute quarterback like wins to quarterbacks. Like, I, I don't think quarterback wins is a thing. But the goal for a quarterback should be to help your team win. The number one way to do that is to be the most effective game manager possible. Find the different ways to make your team win. Mahomes has effectively done that with the worst roster this year. 
He has consistently found his, a way for his team to win, even when they're down. You can look at this playoffs as proof, you know. That's the way it is. So I think the way that you stop Mahomes, honestly, is with your offense. I think you got to get off to a fast start. But then defensively, it's going to be a tough challenge. I mean, you got a lot to account for with Mahomes. Um, I, I do 49ers play more man or zone coverage. I think you have to trust your instincts. You got to go with the man coverage. I know the Chiefs, you know, I, I, Mahomes can beat man coverage like that. But I don't think their personnel suits up well against the 49ers in man coverage. I think you trust your linebackers to play. You got to, though. The number one thing you got to do in order to limit Mahomes, if you're talking about the defensive side of the ball, is make it hard on them to run the football. Mahomes is effective when you have an effective run game. Make it hard on them to run the football. Make them one-dimensional. Absolutely. I know you have to go real quick, Rohan, but before you go, I'm going to continue to go a little bit after just because 49ers did have their press conferences. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about the press conferences after you go. But score prediction before you head out, Rohan. Oh, boy, people are not going to be happy because, as I said, I think the 49ers need to start fast for them to win. I think they need to get out to a double-digit lead, um, you know, or at least a two-possession lead in this one. And personally, I don't see that happening in the first half. I don't see them getting out to a double-digit lead in the first half. And because of that, I do think Mahomes is going to, you know, I, I, I think if the 49ers let that lead linger, Mahomes is going to take it. I'm going to go Chiefs 24, 49ers 20. Wow. I wasn't expecting that one. Oh. Curious to hear what you got to say. But, but yeah. Again, Rohan, Rohan is saying this as an analyst. He is not saying this as a fan. Because the Rohan, the fan, what would you say? As the fan, as a Niner fan, what are, what's your answer? I think there are a lot of different ways the Niners can win this game. I, I, I truly do. That was going to be my caveat. I think the Niners are more equipped to win this game than they were in 2019. Oster, they've got a lot of different ways to win. I think if they control the pace of the game, they can out-game manage Mahomes. But I think the the way for the Niners to win, like I said, you got to start fast. If they start fast, if they are up double digits at halftime, they're going to win this game. I know we know about Mahomes' comeback ability, but if they win by double digits, or if they're up by double digits at halftime, the 49ers are going to win this game, in my opinion. It's just, can they do that? That's kind of my question. I think the way you do it is you have to start generating explosives and kind of make Steve Spagnolo back off a little bit. You know, that's the way you got to do it. I think you got to start with the run game. May, uh, you know, pound the pound the run game to where they've got to be aggressive at selling the run out, and that leads to a little bit more favorability in the pass game for Brock Purdy, Brandon Ayuk, and company. Well, Rohan, I know you, you got to go, so thank you for um, tuning in. Um, <laughs> Yo, I uh, <laughs> is always pessimistic. He's not, man. He just likes to give. He's he's honest. He's one hundred percent honest. He's not gonna he's not gonna say something that he doesn't believe. He's it's, and we got to respect that. Hey, trust me. Of, if I'm wrong, and I I mean I hope I'm wrong for the 49ers sake. If I'm wrong, yeah, go ahead. My mentions are there. I mean, I it's gonna be open. Uh, no comment blocking. No none of that. It's all there for the taking. No, all good and fun, man. We all know how Rohan rolls. He he just likes to be very honest with everyone. He likes to give you guys the honest, his honest opinion. Thank you, Rohan. I'm gonna keep going a little bit. I know you gotta go. Um, I know I'll still be live on your stream, so I'll out of respect for your stream, I won't be too long on, on the show or anything like that. So thank you for tuning in, uh, everyone. But Rohan has to go. Appreciate it, and we'll talk to you guys later. Absolutely. So Rohan is gone. So let me let me join to the Clutch Gene Sports. All the Rohan person uh, Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel. If you guys would like.
come over to the Kledgeen Sports personal channel, Kledgeen Sports channel. Hit that like and subscribe button. I'm going to be talking a little bit about the 49ers press conferences um, as well as my thoughts on this game. If you have any questions, any comments or anything, drop your comments. I'll be bringing them up. I'll be ask, answering questions. Um, so make sure you guys drop your comments and go. So we got William Roberts. He said the defense needs to pressure a lot and get those sacks, especially pressure will rattle Kermit the Frog. I love the Kermit the Frog comment. Um, I, lo I love you throwing that in there. Um, that's just a little shade towards uh, Patrick Mahomes. Now, I think the, it's interesting. This comment's interesting because I was on yesterday with Josh Harper, who's part of the Clutching Sports Channel, the weekly um, segments. Um, he played in the NFL. Um, and we were talking briefly about how Patrick Mahomes against pressure can beat you, right? In terms of when you're in man-to-man -man and you're sending pressure, he usually beats you with his legs a lot of times The past this past year. Dude, his weapons are not good. His weapons are no longer good. Um, if you look at his receivers, his best receivers, Rasheed Rice, who's a rookie. Um, after that, he doesn't have any true receivers. Now, he treat you got to treat Travis Kelsey as a true receiver because – that's what he is. He At this point in his career, he hasn't been a great blocker. He's a true receiver. He's that possession receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs at this moment. So for me, I think the Niners need to treat Mahomes as the receiver one, treat Rasheed Rice as receiver two, um, try to get pressure, but also you have to understand if you get pressure um, and Mahomes is able to escape, he's a little sneaky fast. He's going to be able to use his legs to win in that way. Um, so for me, I think that's one of the, the concerns for me in terms of pressuring Mahomes. Now, Kyle Shanahan went to the podium earlier. Uh, Kyle Shanahan confirmed that both George Kittle and Arik Armstead were limited in practice after missing last week. He did say that he, uh, he thinks there'll be a full go tomorrow. Um, those guys aren't missing the Super Bowl. I'm not worried about that. I know the media is kind of trying to ask their, their availability. The most important part is Kyle Shanahan said that they had a normal practice today. Um, despite the un unsatisfactory practice field, um, they practice fully uh, how they normally would practice, um, which is a good thing. Um, you, it's, it's good to know the 49ers are going about their business no matter what. Um, they're not letting anything affect them. Um, I think that is very important for the 49ers. Now, I know I didn't get to answer completely how I think the 49ers should, should attack the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I don't know if you guys saw, but Jed York was on, the, on with Kay Adams um, live. And he essentially said that John Lynch went down um, to the locker room at halftime, down 17 points, and said, and John Lynch said that Debo was just sitting there shaking and said, just tell Kyle to give me the damn ball. That's who Debo is. To me, this is the kind of game where I want Debo looking at Kyle Shanahan and saying, hey, give me the damn ball. Because this is the game you need to, you need to play the Kansas City defense horizontally. And what I mean by horizontally is using quick routes, forcing them to cover the entirety of the field. Their, their secondary and their defense is good because Spagnola's is able to take away what the quarterback likes to do or what the offense likes to do. Looking at Kyle Shanahan's offense and Brock Purdy, they love to attack the middle of the field. That's what, that's what they love to do. They love to attack deep and middle of the field. Spags is going to take that away. If you use Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey in the quick game and putting the ball in, in Debo Samuel's hands, those six to six to fifteen yard plays towards the end of the game are going to be deeper routes because you're going to start having Spagnola have to creep everyone down and down closer and closer 
due to Kyle beating you in the quick game and horizontally. Using those jet sweeps, those end arounds, making the, the Kansas City Chiefs attack you throughout the attacking the Chiefs throughout the entirety of the field. So I think Debo Samuel should have a huge game this, this week. Um, not to say that Brandon Ayuk can't have a huge game, um, but he's gonna be matched up man to man with uh Legereus Sneed. So that's gonna be a tough matchup. So if you're taking away the number one, which in the number one in the receiver in terms, I think Brandon Ayuk is our true receiver one. If you're going to take away him, guess what? This is where you use George Kittle in the flat. You use Debo Samuel in the quick bubble screens. Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield on quick dump offs. Um, run a couple screens. So for me, I do think it's going to be a heavy matchup for the 49ers um, to use Debo Samuel. So for me, I think that's the biggest thing. Now, defensively, I think you have to take away the 100% take away the run. Now, the Niners have struggled in the past against the run. Um, so actually, I'm talking speaking about the run. The Niners should actually give Christian McCaffrey and Debo, and this is more so Christian McCaffrey, 25 to 30 touches in the run game. Um, if you go back, there's a stat on the Kansas City Chiefs. I'll, I'll read off the stat to you because I have it. So the stat is actually the, the Kansas City Chiefs have given up 21 points or less in 17 of their 20 games. In the other three games, they've allowed 24, 24, and 27 points. They don't give up many points. But in the three games that the Kansas City Chiefs have given up 24-plus points, teams have ran the ball combined 104 times for 464 yards. That's 4.6 yards per carry. Attack them in the run game. 100% attack them in the run game. So that, I think that's kind of what Kyle's game plan normally is. But this is a game where you emphasize that with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. Now, attacking Mahomes is hard, right? When you attack, when you play the best quarterback, you have to have a good game plan. Well, this best quarterback just no longer has the, the weapons he once had. That's not the same 2019 or even the 2022 team that they played with when they had Juju Smith-Schuster and they won the Super Bowl against the Eagles. This team is led by an older Travis Kelsey. It is a run game heavy where as Rohan said before he left a game manager mentality from Mahomes is no longer the gunslinger mentality so it's a little bit different in terms of going up against him Mahomes doesn't make the mistakes that other quarterbacks are making right now he's not turning over the ball he's making the right decision whether it's throwing it away or tucking it and running and getting what he can he's not forcing things so for me I think you have to take away Travis Kelsey. And I would personally do that with a guy like Charvarius Ward, who's better against bigger, slower receivers. You let Charvarius Ward man up on him and let him take away Travis Kelsey and you take away the run game. You, it forces the Kansas City Chiefs to do something they haven't been comfortable doing, throwing the ball to other receivers that are not named Travis Kelsey or Rasheed Rice. Kadarius Tony's begging for the ball. Please give Kadarius Tony the ball, please. He's not good. He's lost to Kansas City Chiefs games, multiple games. Has had a lot of drop passes, led to interceptions. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling, he's good at getting deep, but he doesn't have the hands. He drops a lot of passes. So for me, I'm looking at the 49ers, and the way you attack Mahomes is you have to go man to man this game. This is a game where you have to go man. Um, so for me, with 
the way the 49ers are operating, they play a lot of off coverage. This is a game where you go press man and you're trying to take away their true number one receivers, which is Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey. Shout out to Ashley in the house, man. Shout out to Ashley. If you guys don't already know, Ashley and I have a show on Fridays. Make sure you guys go subscribe to Ashley Ariana's channel. Ashley is phenomenal people, has a great show over there. Love what she does. Shout out to Ashley for tuning in. If you guys aren't already tuned in to Clutch Gene Sports, go to Clutch Gene Sports on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. I know Rohan is not here today. Um, well, he was here at the, for the beginning of the show, but Rohan had to leave um, to go cover some basketball for his college that he, he covers at Wisconsin. But for me, I think the 49ers with Mahomes is a different offense, so you have to play them differently. You cannot play them in zone. You can't play them in soft coverage because he will pick you apart. Um, and for me, I definitely see the 49ers going a lot more man in this game because they match up well in this matchup. They they can take away Travis Kelsey. They could take away Rasheed Rice with Denomino Lenore. Um, this is a perfect opportunity for Steve Wilkes to go a lot more man than he normally does. Um, Mark Marco uh, just actually says, Marco, you and I better be at the Super Bowl next year with some of the questions being asked. See you soon, Marco. Ashley, you definitely will be there. I have confidence in you. You'll definitely be there um, next year uh, for the Super Bowl. Um, I would love to go um, to the Super Bowl next year as well. But I don't want to be asking, Ashley, are you going to be asking those crazy questions like everyone else is asking? I know you're not. I know you would ask, be asking some good questions. Um, but I think that's crazy. The, the Super Bowl questions that are being asked this year have been – I don't necessarily think they're weirder than they normally are there every year. The Super Bowl questions are, are always weird um, for some reason, but this year they're being blown over the top because the Niners are in the Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, so it's just crazy things right now. Like that's to me what's wild. Now the 49ers stopping Mahomes is going to be hard no matter what, but I think they have the defense to do it. Now, how does the 49ers defense dethrone Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? I got two names, Nick Bosa, and actually I'm going to say the name that no one wants to hear, Chase Young. The reason why I give you both of those guys is because the Kansas City Chiefs, their tackles are not good. They give up tons of pressure. They, have, they give up tons of penalties, whether it's holding, false starts. They're not good. So what the Niners need to be able to do is create pressure off the edge with Nick Bosa, which he should be able to do. But you need to be able to move Nick Bosa around. Let him match up on the guards every once in a while. Don't just let him be stationary where they know where he is. Move him around. Make them have to find him. Don't let him get chipped. Move him inside with Chase Young outside. You could do a lot more different packages. The Niners used to do it with Nick Bosa all the time. They used to line up D4 to Nick Bosa over the A-gaps and let them go to work. Let Nick Bosa go to work inside sometimes. I think you have to start moving him around in order for him to be as productive as he normally is. I see you guys in the chat. I see you guys who are tuned in. Drop a comment. How many sacks does Nick Bosa get against this terrible offensive tackles? Because he should at least have, I, I think, at least one sack. I, I'm going for, I think he has. In this game, I truly think Nick Bosa gets two sacks. Um, I'm curious to see what you guys think. Nick Bosa is going up against two tackles that are not good. Clutch Gene Sports, 
predicts Nick Bosa will have two sacks. Um, also, how about them Niners? Shout out to how about them Niners? He says Nick Bosa will also have two sacks. Oh, we got William Roberts saying three. Anyone going for four? I got four. Anyone going four? We got four. Um, Nick Bosa getting three sacks. That potentially that's potentially MVP status right there. If you're getting three sacks, that's that's potentially MVP. One of those being a forced fumble. Man, that's that's MVP. Can, can Nick Bosa win MVP with three sacks? Do you guys think Nick Bosa could win MVP with three sacks? Man, three sacks? I would love to see Nick Bosa get three sacks because that means there's three drives where Nick Bosa is potentially killing the drive because sacks are drive killers. As long as you get off the field on third down, unlike the NFC Championship game where I think that was a uh, wasn't like the 49ers on third down. Normally they're better. Um, but I definitely think the 49ers could could definitely, if you could get three sacks out of Nick Bosa, um, you're in a great position. Now, my score prediction, because I know I will be out of here. Um, I wanted to make sure I'm out of here and respecting Rohan's channel. I am still live on Rohan's channel. Everyone on Rohan Chakravarti's channel, make sure you guys please come over to, to Clutch Gene Sports. Hit that like and subscribe button. If you're on the Clutch Gene Sports channel, go to Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel. Hit that subscribe button and make sure you guys Debo that like button. For me, my score prediction, I am not predicting the same score as Rohan. Rohan said he had the the Kansas City Chiefs winning 24-21, or 24-21, I believe. I have the 49ers winning this game 28-24. No worries. Jake Moody does not have to kick a field goal. I know that that probably is going to ease some nerves. Ashley, I know Ashley doesn't like... uh, watching Jake Moody kick, even though he's the best kicker in the NFL, right, Ashley? Um, so for me, I say 28-24. I think the 49ers have a big game from Christian McCaffrey. I think Debo Samuel has a huge game. Looking at everything, for me, 28-24 is the score. Now, only three teams, uh, only two teams have scored 24, uh, 27 points against the Kansas City Chiefs. One has scored 24. This Kansas City Chiefs defense don't give up points. I don't see anyone scoring in this game 30-plus points. Unless somehow, some way, people were blowing coverages and doing some crazy things. Expect it to be a lower-scoring game, a lower-scoring Super Bowl. The money is, is coming in on a lot of people putting money on the San Francisco 49ers. I do see that. I see the money line coming in on the Niners. Again, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button on both channels, Clutch Gene Sports, Rohan Chakravarti's channel. I'll be live this Friday with Ashley Ariana. I will be on ESPN Radio to talk 49ers Chiefs Super Bowl matchup, ESPN Honolulu at 9.15 Pacific Standard Time. You guys could listen and tune in there. If you guys don't follow me on Twitter, you guys could follow me at, at Marco underscore Mark. 1205. You guys could also be posting the the flyer of, of me being live on ESPN radio. Make sure you guys tap in on Twitter and make sure you guys subscribe so you guys don't miss Friday's show with Ashley Ariana, the phenomenal podcast of Ashley Ariana and Clutch Gene Sports. Thank you guys all for tuning in today. 
I appreciate every single one of you guys. I'm out. Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big.